Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Picks and Picks Podcast. We are continuing our summer series, our State of the Club podcast. We have a very special guest today to kick off Liverpool. It's our buddy Andrew from the Plus Money Podcast. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hopping on. How you doing? Uh, it's great to be here. Longtime listener. Really, uh, I, I think I'm also riding with you guys on that Austin FC uh, to win the MLS. So uh, looked a little better know, recently. It, it, was, it was rough out of the gate. Just got to get hot at the right time. That's that's MLS playoffs. It's all about. It's not about how you start. It's how you finish. So that's that's where we're at. But excited to be on with you guys. Appreciate it, man. So listen, let's let's just jump right in here. I have two of the biggest Liverpool fans that I know. Uh, these guys are about to drop some serious knowledge. So. I know Scotty's thoughts on last year. He's kind of maintained from the start that it was going to be somewhat of a transition year for Liverpool. Um, you know, fifth in the EPL, uh, they were in what I feel like eighth or 10th place for much of the year. So um, from my perspective, I thought they did a really good job closing out the year um, 67 points and just really four points out of the top four um, round of 16 in the champions league eliminated by Real Madrid and fourth round of the FA Cup eliminated by upstart Brighton. Um, what would you say, Andrew? So I had a future on them to win the Premier League. I, I, you know, they they came off, you know, competing for four trophies the year before, you know, losing the Champions League final. And I'm like, all right, let's run it back. So I had, I had high expectations. And uh, so it's hard not to say last season wasn't a failure after missing top four, going out against Madrid with, I think, the worst home loss that they've ever had at Anfield. Um, and just some brutal low moments. I mean, it, it was a season of highs and lows. We beat Manchester United 7-0. We beat Manchester City 1-0 at home in a game that I thought we would lose 4-0. Um, like, I, I actually bet the over in that game, expecting us to get destroyed, and I've never been happier to lose a bet. Um, but it... I'm excited for Klopp 2.0. He's managed three teams for, you know, seven plus years. And this is the first time he's really gotten the opportunity. He's stuck around after year seven. Didn't do that at Mines, didn't do it at Dortmund. And we're going to get a full roster turnover. We already turned over the front line. I'm excited about Gakpo. I'm excited about Nunez. We're turning over the midfield. Need to turn over the defense. But um, it wasn't a great year. Definitely, there was a stretch there in January that made me question why am I spending my Saturday, Sunday morning waking up for this? But uh, the finishing the season in 11 games unbeaten was a really, uh, it was a great way to close the season. And so it gave me hope for next season. And especially watching a couple of the teams in the top four, uh, the way they close the season, I think with a proper preseason and a couple more signings, we'll be right back up there. Yeah, and, and watching them week in and week out, it didn't seem like there's a whole lot of hope during the first, I don't know, couple months of the season. Aside from the 9-0 Burnmouth match, I didn't really see yeah. them turning it around. Like At that at that point, it's like, oh, maybe they figured something out. Um, but I think the, the change that kind of led to that 11-0 and beaten run. Like the defense was so, I don't think the defense itself was bad, but they were just getting exposed so much by trying to play that high line. And you had Allison Becker, who was maybe the best goalie in in the, the league last year. I mean, he didn't get the, the clean sheet title, but, you know, through no fault of his own. I think there's a huge amount of improvement for that 
this coming season. So there should be some optimism there. I think, you know, they're turning over the midfield, maybe even a little bit faster than, than they anticipated. We can touch on that in a little bit. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the, the, the front line seems to kind of have things together. It seems like, you know, they've done some tweaks with how they're going to use uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, which would hopefully unlock him a little bit more, use him, you know, towards his strengths as opposed to maybe kind of relying on his defensive prowess to, to be the best right back in the league. So I, I certainly think there's some hope, but I think if I looked back on last season, it's certainly disappointing, but I don't think it would be super unexpected. I mean, I get your point about, you know, they were competing for four trophies the, the season prior, but with all those matches and looking at the average age, especially at the midfield, you're like, something's got to give eventually. Like the way that Klopp likes to play with the high intensity, heavy metal football, at some point when your average defense or average midfield age is like pushing 30, then it's, it's a matter of time before the wheels fell off. And then unfortunately that's what happened last season, but you know, a bunch of fresh new faces already, maybe some more coming in the coming uh, weeks. I think there's a lot of reason for optimism coming into the next season. They really lost to Real Madrid twice in, in last spring, not just in the champions league final, but they were chasing after Chuameni, and then they, they acknowledged, hey, we need help in the Gotta back pivot. of midfield and then didn't pivot and sign somebody else. They just said, oh, we'll sign Jude Bellingham next summer when they really they well, needed to make a summer deciding summer. Well, they needed a signing last summer. They, they pivoted to Nunez because they thought, you know, United were going to snap him up. And that too. At that point, I'm sure he was on Klopp's list after the way that he played against them in, in the Champions League, you know, that season. And so when I was like, hey, we got this 80 million chunk of change and. United are going after this guy who we think is going to be the next big thing. You know, again, there were, I mean, there were maybe not completely serious comparisons to Holland, but like some people were like, Hey, there's a chance, like with the way that he's playing the age, the speed, the size, it's not out of this question that maybe you have, you know, for the next five, seven years, a little bit of a rivalry in terms of, you know, who's going to get the, the golden boot year and year out in the premier league between these two. Now, obviously that didn't go Nunez's way, but there's still room for, for him to develop, I think, and maybe get a little bit more results because a lot of those underlying stats, the ones that coach loves, the XG, the XGA or whatever, he was usually ranked pretty high on. Yeah, I think I think everything is there. And if there's anything that I'm convinced Klopp can get out of a player, it's goals. Like, look at Lewandowski's record before he was at Dortmund or his early days of Dortmund. Like, Klopp helped develop him into a clinical finisher. Like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not worried about that. And also, I think he'll be getting better service mm-hmm. with the players around him coming into this season. And especially, I mean, even look, you know, Trent was having a, a horrendous year and then they slid him into midfield. And basically from that arsenal that from Granite Jaka, you know, pulling his antics at Anfield on Trent was just like, oh, yeah, I'm a world class player. And like, just like hit that switch. So. Lot, there is a lot to be excited about, but it might not all be sunshine and roses along the way. And you called out Cody Gakbo as somebody that you were pretty pleased about. I'm curious about what your full opinion on him is, because I think you know, he came in for certainly a, a very fair price, you know, in the in the uh, winter window. Um, I didn't really expect him to get up to speed so much in the two or three months that he really would have with the team. Um, I've had kind of mixed feelings about him. I thought, you know, at times he's looked world-class like against Manchester United, he was like unbelievable. And I think it was every bit the reason why we were able to blow them out as, as well as, you know, well that we did. Um, but there's also been times where I found that he's kind of disappeared and I, I forget that he's even on the pitch. So I'm, I'm curious to see where, where do you stand on Gakpo? Are you, you know, super high on him and it being maybe this like nailed on starter in the, in the, you know, first 11 moving forward or do you think he's going to be a guy that maybe has to fight for his place with some of the other guys we have up top 
I think he's going to have to fight for his place, but I think he fits. I think his style of play, when we've seen it absolutely click, it's that it's that very similar high pressing, high energy, knows just knows the right place to be that that exactly that Firmino used to have. And like Roberto Firmino is one of my all time favorite Liverpool uh, players. So like uh, I just got like you could tell or at least I, I thought you could tell that he was starting to like figure out where to be what is expected of him. And I think that they have the opportunity with him to play multiple ways, like to kind of almost use him as like a, a, as a 10 or, you know, even more the forward of those three in midfield, however they use him. Like, I think the biggest thing he offers is versatility. Like the Dutch can play him off the left. You can kind of play him as a, like a false nine. You can kind of play him in midfield and Klopp absolutely eats those guys up. I mean, look what he did with Milner. Look what he's done with, you know, even even Sadio Mane played all three positions across the front line. And I think that's kind of what excites me the most is just he he has that like Dutch um, mental like like that, that that Dutch brain power of I can be anywhere or whatever, wherever you mm-hmm. need me. He's a plug and play type player. And I mean, finish the season on seven goals and two assists. And I like you're right. There are were a couple games he definitely got lost. But when you have. Diogo Jota, Nunez, Diaz, Salah, and as many games as they're going to play, and we're not even talking, you know, what happens when they start bringing in Harvey Elliott, Ben Doak, Cade Gordon. Like, there's there's going to be guys fighting for opportunities, and I just, I think of him as a guy who got the good, like, half a season head start, and if he builds on that, I think there could be something really special. He was the, uh, I'm going to go a little niche here. He was the freshman red shirt that, you know, transferred into school, you know, the, the semester before his actual season, um, we got, got up to speed. Um, I think yeah. maybe I, the other Dutchman on the, on the roster, you know, Van Dyke has, has often been kind of a giant and almost this like, you know, godlike mentality in the back with the way that he, he runs and plays the game. But last season he, he appeared a little bit more mortal and I think started getting a lot of criticism, especially from fans outside of Liverpool. I know uh, there's lots of uh, Serie A fans that were coming in and taking joy in, in perhaps Van Dyke's uh, mediocre season last year. Do you see him kind of having a bounce back this year? Do you really think maybe just refreshing that midfield and getting them a little bit more protection in the, you know, in front of them is, is enough? Or do you think we're kind of seeing the the decline of Van Dyke in front of us right now? And is that a concern? Oh, it, I, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm scared. Like Virgil Van Dyke's, he's been probably the most revolutionary signing Liverpool have made in the last five or six years, which is shocking when you have Salah, Mane, Alison Becker, all on that list as well. Even Fabinho, who's probably about to leave, but Van Dyke changed everything. I went from like, okay, we're going to have to win this game four, three to we're going to win this game one, nothing. And I'm yeah. not worried about it. And this past season was the cardiac reds were back. Like no lead was safe. And he was just what as leads? guilty. Yeah, <laughs> you can see it first that. every game. <laughs> also that, like, uh, it went back to, you know, everybody was, there was no one who took, everyone took blame. The, the entire back line, defensive midfield. And I'm definitely worried about him. I'm hoping that, you know, outside of those couple games that the Netherlands played in, in conference league, that he's had a good long rest because my man needs it. But I've been I've been nonstop on Twitter about this. Like, yes, we need a defensive midfielder, but we need a left-sided center back, not only to cover Van Dyke, but if they are going to run this three def- three defenders, like you know three four two one or three four three, whatever you want to call it, with Trent in midfield, 
I love Andy Robertson, but you can't leave him out there as a left-sided center back. He's he's not yeah. that. He's a very good left back, but he's not a, a left-sided center back. And you're going to leave Van Dyke exposed on that left side, and you're not going to do him favors. So uh, I think there's a chance that he gets the armband in the next couple weeks or maybe even yeah. a couple days after this podcast gets recorded. So I, I still think there's a, a long time of future of him at Liverpool, but I think I I think they got to get at least one other center back in there, specifically one who can cover him for, you know, he doesn't need to, he doesn't necessarily need to start when we travel like 700 miles away in Europa league on a Thursday this year, when we've got city or United on the weekend, like let, let the man rest. So I, I would like some cover. So you mentioned Klopp, um, you know, you're, you're excited. I think he's brought in a lot of versatility that to me is the, as an outsider is the, the real strength of this team, right? Everything you just said about that forward line where they have six, seven guys that I feel like can slot into almost any position. Um, sounds to me like you're happy with him. What's, what's your expectation? How much longer is he a part of this Liverpool project is his job in danger at all if they don't win a trophy two years in a row what what's kind of the outlook there um outside of your excitement i don't think he's in trouble i he signed on till 26 and i i don't really think that there's i'm a big believer if you fire a manager only because you know exactly who you want to come in and replace him which is why they fired rogers and brought in Klopp. i i don't follow the the chelsea this guy didn't work for four weeks in a row. Let's get rid of him. And, oh, wait, who are we going to bring in? I guess we'll bring in Frank Lampard. I'm not that guy. I, there's a couple managers out there that excite me, like Chabi Alonso, also a former Liverpool player, was doing great things at Bayer Leverkusen. He excites me. Steven Gerrard for a second before everything collapsed at Aston Villa. It's like, well, it, it makes sense for him to come back, but it certainly doesn't now. I I don't think Klopp's going anywhere. I think, if anything, the owners are going to be patient. I'm okay with giving him giving him time um i think if they didn't have that upswing in the second half of the season i would probably be giving the man a little bit less rope but he's only he's only signed on till 26 i don't know if he's taking another i think this is his last club football job the german national team has been like rumored to want him forever so maybe finishes this run with Liverpool until 26 and then kind of he just he just became a grand grandfather a couple weeks ago or like yeah like a couple yeah they just announced it on social that his his I think his son had a, a child so I wouldn't be shocked if after 26 comes it's go spend some time with the grandkids coach the national team and you know maybe be a pundit here and there but I I'm I'm fine with him I I think I think the setup's there. I think this new wave of players is there. Um, my my concern really isn't him. My concern is more the sporting director is only on like a three month contract. They haven't fully replaced the guys in the you know the front office that built the other teams with him. And my concern is there. Like, are we? Who's going to replace? Like, who's going to be our new director of football long term? Who's going to, you know, how? Where are we spending money and and what on? Like, I'm. I'm not FSG out. That is that is a dangerous hole to fall down on Liverpool Twitter. Let me be careful. I think that there's a lot of people who um, want us like criticize Manchester City and now Newcastle for having foreign ownership that is quote unquote immoral. 
but then also want the same thing so that they can spend all the money. And it's like, pick a side. You get one or the other. I'm happy with what FSG has done. I would like them to be more proactive at times. But I also know that there's Manchester United owners out there. I know there's Mike Ashley owners out there. So I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to uh I'm going to be appreciative of what I have and accept that yeah. the grass is in fact greener on this side of the hill rather than take a chance and roll the dice on something else. But I'm not worried about Klopp. I'm definitely worried about the front office side is is where my worries lead with leadership off the pitch. Fair enough. Scott, do you agree? Yes, because I definitely don't think we have like an Arsene Wenger situation on our hands where it's like you have this guy that's given so much to the club and everybody's kind of like, you know, giving him a blank check to, you know, determine his own exit strategy and then hangs on around maybe a little bit too long and then kind of, you know, overstays his welcome. I think that's kind of the, the fear is, hey, if Klopp is losing it, you know, do we want to try and replace him before he does, you know, some sort of damage to to the roster or the club and it takes even longer for us to rebuild? I, I think we're far from that. I, I think, you know, my whole point last season was, is a transition year. You got to give Klopp time to kind of rebuild the squad because you've got this entire core midfield that needs to be replaced between, Wijnaldum and, and Henderson and, and Milner and, and Fabinho and, and to an extent Tiago, even though he's a relatively newcomer. Um, and so I, I was fine to see, hey, let's see what the forward line does. Let's see how they play. Um, you know, obviously they didn't have the service and in the, in the ball control that, you know, we'd expect to have them in the next few seasons. But um, I think he'll get there. I, I don't, you know, I think Andrew's right. He's he's not going to be a guy that wants to hang on to a, a job for the sake of it. He's definitely going to be looking for his his work life balance to get a little bit more life favored instead of work favored. And I think the German national team is a pretty good fit for that. So let's get back there. Let's get you guys talked about it a little bit, but let's dive into the summer activity a little bit more. Um, we already know that McAllister's come in from Brighton. That to me seemed like a steal. I think it was what thirty million pounds or so. Yeah, um, 35, 35. Yeah, pretty unreal before all this big money started going around, I feel like, directly after that signing. Um, we've got – I always butcher his name, uh, the guy from – Soblesly. Yeah. Soblesly. Yeah. Um, I, I wake up in the morning and say that to the mirror yeah. five times. You got to practice it, yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. Be saying you really it a lot. <laughs> um, who, I rate this guy very highly. Um, where exactly he fits in, I don't know. But um, would love your – Thoughts on those two guys and and um, maybe just touch a little more on the, the areas of need. Andrew, I know you mentioned um, a center back and, and a defensive mid or, or two on your list. Um, I'm As a guy who not only had an Argentina ticket, but also had Argentina to beat France in the final plus 3,400 greatest bet I've ever hit in my life. Um, I'm pumped for Alexis McAllister. I think he fits everything that they need. Perfect versatility in midfield. Um, young. He's 24, so hasn't even hit the full prime. Pumped for it. Subashlai can play on the right, can play right wing, can play as a 10. Probably not as defensively as equipped, but the thing I love the most is the captain of his national team at 22. We, you know, they lost Milner. They're potentially losing Henderson. That's both of the captains from last season, but they've got plenty, plenty of leadership right on the team. You got Van Dyke, who's the captain of the Dutch national team, Robertson, Scotland, uh, Mosla, Egypt, and then Trent, obviously, as the Scouser seems to be ready to eventually take on the armband. So the fact that you bring in another national team captain, can't have enough leaders on a team, big believer in that. Um, 
and he's he's got a boot on him. So I'm pumped for that. Um, the two big names that I'm hearing, or at least reading online, defensive midfielder is Romeo Lavia from Southampton, who's 19, will turn 20 this fall. Former Manchester City product, ended up at Southampton. Had an okay to solid year at Southampton, but um, they're obviously relegated. Didn't have a ton of guys around him to necessarily play. You know, one player does not make up a defense in a defensive midfielder unit. So, um, I if if Fabinho goes, I want another defensive midfielder as well. I there's been links to Paulinha at Fulham, who's a little older. Um, and then defend the defender wise, the one that I really love would be uh, Levi Colwell from Chelsea has been linked. I don't think Chelsea are keen on that. I think Mark Gahey from uh, Crystal Palace wouldn't be the worst option either. Haven't seen that name thrown out as much, but the English factor. Um, but yeah, I, I think what they've done so far is a great start. But if it's the end of the transfers, then I'm probably going to have a problem with it because I don't think it's they lost four midfielders. They need to or they lost three midfielders. They've only brought in two as a replacement. They could lose two more. I, I would I would like equal or close to equal outgoings to incomings. There's a couple guys on the youth side. Tyler Morton has played before. He played that Tottenham game that they drew 2-2 a couple years ago. I didn't think he was horrendous and had a really good loan down in the championship. Um, there's a couple other defensive midfielder. I mean, by such has been, yeah, yeah. The heir apparent to Fabinho, but still. Developing. He's also only 18 and turns like 19 yeah. in the middle of the season. And that kid, that kid just needs to be like injecting himself with muscle milk this off season. Like he's, he, he's, you put quotation around muscle milk. Is that, he, did I see that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but yes, my man just needs my need. My man needs some bulking. He needs to, you know, uh, but he's 18, you know, uh, weight wasn't sticking on to me at 18 and you're now at 30, it's sticking on a little harder. So, um, I, he excites me, but I, I do the idea of having an 18 and a 19 year old as our defensive midfielders does worry me, but it does kind of feel like, uh, well, if we wait two years to sign this kid, it's going to be a hundred. So, um, I mean, well, we saw what Declan Rice, which just went for, and, um, I'm, I also think if I was starting a soccer, a soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, a team tomorrow, I think the first signing I would make would not be a striker or a goal scorer. It's probably a defensive midfielder. I've, I've watched enough to know that the elite teams all have a really good one and the okay teams, you can have a good goal. You can have a good, you know, uh goal scorer. But if you don't have that defensive midfielder, you're probably not going very far. So that's, if they let Fabinho go, it's, get to the market, just call Southampton and get him off the market. Yeah. Well, I think you know, I'll clarify one thing, Nick, you, you called out why Alexis McAllister was so cheap, you know, 35 million. It's he, he was out of contract at the end of the season. And when he came back from the world cup, he kind of did Brighton a favor and he, he extended his contract a year, but put in a really low buyout. Um, so Liverpool definitely were, were the first ones to act. I'm glad that, you know, they were quickly able to figure that out and, and, not let anybody else because I'm sure you know the likes of Tottenham or or Arsenal would have been all over that if they were as in the loop and maybe they were and and Callister just preferred Liverpool which if that's the case I like him even more. Um, what excites me the most about Sobosly is I kind of went down a rabbit hole and I was watching uh, YouTube compilations of the citrus orange season um, where we had Coutinho and then Mane and Firmino and Salah up top 
And I forgot how much fun it was when you had not just a really strong dynamic front three, but also like a really strong dynamic uh, attacking mid behind him. And so I've started to dream of what Soboslai could do with a front three of Salah and uh, Diaz and, and Nunez or Gakpo or Jota. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun next season at, at the very least. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm on board with the names, uh, Romeo Lavia coming in, I think makes a lot of sense. I think Southampton are trying to ask for the world with him. They're trying to the price. I think is around like 50 million and that's a hefty price for a 19 year old that had a pretty okay season um, debut, but certainly a lot of promise. Um, there's also, also the rumor has, now. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. He, there's also, so they're trying to get the fee lower because next season Manchester City have a buyback clause of forty yep. mil. So they're they they know that the number he's not going to go play in the championship. So it's like they're not going to pay fifty, but they're willing to pay forty. But Arsenal apparently are interested if uh, Thomas Partey leaves. Chelsea have been linked. West Who hasn't Ham Chelsea been even, linked with though? Right. Also that. <laughs> like, also that. If I was West Ham, I'd call Southampton and try to get him to replace Declan Rice. Like they're yeah. if I'm if I'm Southampton and I'm in the championship, I'm trying to start a bidding war. And I totally get if Liverpool don't want to get into that, but okay, I cut you off. Finish. Yeah. No, I was gonna say the, the the rumor that was going around today, I don't know how deep you get into Twitter, is they 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 found a private jet that went to um Southampton oh, don't and then do that. went to don't, uh, don't Germany do that. and then went to uh, back to Germany or something like that. So the, the, the rumor is now that, that they picked up Thurum and, and, and uh, uh, Lavia in this one single private jet and are, are on their way to training camp in Germany um, with the rest of the Liverpool squad. So I'd be interested. I mean, Thurum was, was a guy that was thrown out a lot in the beginning. Um, Liverpool were looking at him. He was at the U21 um, Euros. So wasn't a whole lot of progress made. He looked pretty good uh, for France in, in that, that tournament. Um, his price was seemingly like right up Liverpool's alley. I think it was like 40 million euros, something around there. So if, if they're really losing Fabinho for 40 million or so to Saudi Arabia, and then they can bring in, you know, Lavia and, and Thurum for a combined 90, it's not bad. You know, you basically at that point completely overhauled your midfield in one window. They're all in that same target range of age, you know, where they're going to kind of progress with each other for the next seven years. So I think the theory is, the way that FSG look at it is like, hey, if we can get these guys for seven or eight years, you're amortizing that cost with their wages, which will probably be pretty low at the age that they're at for the next seven or eight years. And it's, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I am I am nervous about losing a lot of that leadership. Um, you know, you do bring up a good point with how many country captains we have in the squad, but um, there is something to be said about holding a 2-1 lead against a, a top four side and, and being able to bring on a Henderson or a Milner to kind of figure it out, even if they are, their best days are behind them. Whereas now you're going to be probably bringing in a 20-year-old and, uh, you know, holding on for dear life while they're running around the pitch trying not to, to concede it. And we saw, you know, Levia had a, a pretty bad mistake against Liverpool in the final game of the season where he he passed it back to to Firmino, I think it was. Um, I think that's where Firmino yeah. got his last goal. Um so we know we have that in him. Um, it's possible. So it, a little bit of concern. I think the other thing that's worth pointing out with uh, Milner being gone and Calvin Ramsey now going on loan to Preston North End, there is no cover at right back. So I'm guessing that means our new right back backup will be Gomez, um, which means we're probably even more in need of, of cover at, at you know center back than maybe we even realize. Um Cole Will, I know, is the name that everybody wants, but I, I can't imagine Chelsea get rid of him. Um, so I'm curious to see who they bring in. 
Yeah, he's gonna have to force the move. And and the thing that everything I've read is he wants he's been told apparently that by Southgate that he could be in the plans for Euro 2024, especially after their monstrous performance at the Euro, the what is the U21 Euros that England didn't concede a goal. Um, also Curtis Jones, player the player the man of the match for the final. Um, he had a heck of a finish this season, so continue. I'm I'm a big Curtis Jones guy, um, but Colwell's gonna have to come out and force a stink like that. Maybe he's third or fourth choice at Chelsea, and Liverpool's gonna have to promise him that he's playing forty game, thirty five, forty games a season. And I I I don't even know if that guarantees there. So, um, and as for right back, I think the other name I'm ready, reading a lot is I think it's Connor Bradley's coming out of the academy yeah. had a decent loan, but again he's 19. Like this isn't you know if Trent goes I, down and, and he has like a three month injury. Do you really want yeah. Connor Bradley being your no? Your, <laughs> no, I and also your your point about Henderson slash Milner coming on just reminded me of that. You remember that famous Barcelona clip where PK and and Puyol are playing next to each yeah. other, and PK is like, "Look, I got a lighter thrown at me during like a uh, like a penalty, like a like corner kick," and Puyol just like takes it out of the hands. He's like, "Throw it," and he's like, throws it away. He's like, "Focus on the game." Like we need yeah. that, and uh, you know, a nineteen year old is going to get upset about that. Like thirty three year old James Milner Milner has been like. I played yeah. seven thousand games in the Premier League. Like, let's just let's just keep it going. Yeah, it's Scott. I'm sorry. I think you mentioned Thuram. Uh, didn't he sign with Inter? Is that was that confirmed? Or That's that his brother. brother. His brother's a forward. Yeah, there's Kepfram, and then there's Marcus. There's two. Of them. Yeah, they're and yeah. there's a their dad was a uh, World Cup winner for France. Sure was played for Juve yeah. forever and ever and ever. All right, sorry. Yeah. No, you, you didn't mention the first name, so I just didn't. Yeah, sorry. No, I was talking, talking the mid- midfield theorem, not not forward yes. theorem. He's at gotcha. Nice, the one from Nice. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. yes, and they're apparently they're being stingy about selling to Liverpool because their owner is a massive Manchester United fan, and until sure. the Qataris got invited, got involved, was trying to buy Manchester United. So that's potentially one of the reasons why they moved off of him and went to Leipzig to make that signing instead. So yeah, that's interesting. I thought petty shit like that only happened in Italy. So. Good, good to see it happens in the Premier League, too. <laughs> um, so you guys mentioned a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes, uh, you know, behind Klopp, that there's a temporary sporting director on a three-month contract. That's pretty fucking wild. Um, you know, you, you talked about FSG a lot. I mean, I guess my question would be, you still have to be kind of happy with what's going on compared to other clubs, right? We mentioned Chelsea's been an absolute disaster. Tottenham's been an absolute disaster. United has been an absolute disaster. Um, uh, You got to feel like you're in a pretty good spot despite some of the chaos and and some of the unknowns here. I think when you look at the big picture and you take a step back out of the what happened today on Liverpool Twitter, you can't help but be happy with FSG. They have a new state-of-the-art training facility, which looks beautiful based on everything I see on Instagram every day. They have expanded Anfield by, I think, 20,000 seats. It was at 44,000 only a few years ago. 62 now. Yeah, so they're now going to be making more on game day, which is just more money coming back. And the, the nice... Look, I've not been to Liverpool, but everything everyone tells me about it is it's not exactly the you know, nicest place in the world to live. So at least having a nice, cool office to come to every day, if I was a player, would be something that would excite me. Um, So they've done the right things around the club. Um, 
again, I, I think there's a couple, there's, you know, I'm, a, you know, we're allowed to have high expectations, but I'm not going to have my, you know, expectations, you know, too lofty, but um, no, I, I'm happy enough. Like I, I don't, again, I think, I think Man United are going to miss top four because this sale is going to get held up and they're not going to get the new owners in, in, in time for them to really go make the signings that they have. And I'm looking at it and it's July 17th and we've got at least two guys down. So uh, I'm happy with where things are at right now. Yeah. And I think the problem that people get hung up on and, and I, to an extent I get it, right? Like infrastructure and capital improvements aren't the sexiest thing to hear about, but why you're not spending hundreds of millions of pounds every summer, but it, it's a reality, right? Like the way that FSG runs the club and you can be on board with this or not, is that they try to make the club fund itself, right? They're not going to try to inject their own money into it on a consistent basis. And I think that's fine. It's sustainable. It kind of gives you a, a target where it's like, hey, if we have success, we'll have more money to spend and that should bring more success. And it makes sense. When you're spending hundreds of millions of pounds on you know, two different stadium expansions and, and a completely brand new facility, practice facility, We've seen it happen with Arsenal when they built a new uh, stadium with the Emirates and, and what Wenger had to go through. We saw it with Tottenham when they bought or replaced uh, White Hart Lane and what they had to go through with their, they had what, two or three windows where they didn't spend a, a dime. Nope. So it's it sucks when you're going through it, but at the end of the day, if you can get through it and you have this extra commercial revenue coming in that you can use to reinvest in the club down the line, like it's going to be the best for the long term. Now, we're at a point where that has to start to happen, right? Because at this point, they have built up Anfield as big as they can without completely blowing out the uh, the the cop and, and trying to expand it that way. And I think that's there's a whole lot of issues that go on behind the scenes there. So I don't know that that's going to happen. So we'll see if that actually becomes the case. So I, I will reserve judgment and say, hey, if in two years, you know, FSG are still trying to keep the the transfer budgets within 100 million pounds every summer, then, then maybe something's a little bit off. But- you know, like you said, if you don't want to be run by a state-owned entity, which I think the vast majority of people will say they don't want, and when it happens to your club, you have that real choice of like, oh, do I have to keep going or do I have to try to make a moral stand on something? And I get why most people will forgive and forget, but it is nice knowing that like, hey, the way that we're running it seems to be the way that every club should be run. Um, there's no like shortcuts and on the flip side, like it doesn't always work out, right? Like we've seen it with Everton. We've seen it with Chelsea, just because you have either new ownership or spend tons and tons of money, billions of pounds, it doesn't necessarily lead to like instant success. So it's not even a guarantee, right? Like if you get bought out by some state entity and they don't have the right people in charge to actually make the astute moves to build up the squad in the way that it should be, you know, you could very much end up in a situation like Everton where you're, you're fighting for survival with a bunch of overpaid underperforming players that make you actually hate the club more than anything else. Just love how you got to throw the Everton digs in no matter what. Uh, Everton plus 380 to get relegated. I gave it out last year. I'm <laughs> yeah. 100% taking it again this year. Dude, I will do that, but my problem is and I said it on one of the pods is like they're like the cockroach that survives the nuclear apocalypse. Like there's nothing that can be done because I feel like there's almost this weird they're almost this foil to Liverpool where they have to exist purely to like spite Liverpool because you watch them play against these Manchester clubs and these London clubs and they look like absolute dog shit but then they play against Liverpool and it's like they've been reborn they are running around 10 times faster than they have in any of the other matches this season they're flying into tackles and they're pulling out zero zero draws and like celebrating it with the the, the fans as if they have just won some major trophy and so I, I think 
just because of that piece of it, like I'm not allowed to have the happiness of them being gone and, and not a thorn in my side forever. So I think they're just going to have to be around. I don't know. There's anything that can be done to stop that. I, I agree with you, but I, I raise you one Sean Dyche. He's gotten relegated before it can happen again. That's fair. <laughs> Burnley's back though. Vincent's company's got to play total football though. Yeah, like no. they're not playing route one. Yeah, they were. They were a big, uh, big bet of mine in the uh, FA Cup because they were scoring goals and defending like nothing, no else. So made a lot of I'm money good. off of them. I'm very curious to see how they play this season to see at what point of the season, because last year there were like five teams that could have gotten relegated. And I think Burnley being up there, I think they would have been totally fine. There would be some poetic justice if Sean Dyche gets relegated and Burnley stay up. There would, there would be. So let's continue on into next year. Um, Listen, it's the middle of July right now. We're recording here on the 17th. So still some unknowns, but would love to get your thoughts on, what some realistic goals are for the upcoming season trophy table position. Um, knowing what we know today, how are you feeling? Top four or bust. Okay. To be honest. I, I look, I think, I think there's two factors here. I think Arsenal with the amount that they've spent, they have to win the league. Manchester city are still Manchester city. And then after that, I still have questions like Newcastle, great window, great players, great coach. First time that they're all going to be playing in the Champions League. And last week, they didn't have midweek games to deal with. How are they going to deal with that? Manchester United, I don't think they've done enough. I like uh, Mason Mount was heavily linked to Liverpool early in the window. So I like Mason Mount. Um, And Onana sounds like he's coming from Inter in the coming days. That's a great move for them. And especially because he knows uh, the system, having played for um, Ten Hag at Ajax. But that the, a goalkeeper and a central midfielder are not the only problems they have. And it doesn't sound like they're going to go get like a, a guaranteed 30 goals a year striker. It sounds like they're going to try to go young. What do you mean? Um, they just resigned Rashford to a five-year deal. Yeah. To play <laughs> left wing. Uh, they're going to get, I, it sounds like the guy that they're actually going after is the other Holland, the one at Atalanta mm-hmm. um, who like looks like he's going to be a great goal scorer, but hasn't done it yet. And they did the same thing. Like, seven years ago with Anthony Martial and he did not turn out to be a prolific goal scorer. So um, until United go and spend the big money on a striker, I'm not really going to be afraid of them because Rashford's a streaky player. Like, yeah, he'll have that streak where he scores 10 weeks in a row and we're all betting on it, but it's, it's, he's no most, no most law. He's no, you know, uh, Erling Holland. Um, so I think that there's questions there. I think that Liverpool have kind of, answer the biggest question they have with the midfields. I think they can make top four. Um, I The odds are not out yet, but I will be putting a future in on them to win the Europa League, provided I can get it above plus 300. And like my hope is that that final is going to be in Dublin, by the way, which shit, call that a Liverpool home game. It's a home game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I If if they get there, like I, I, I'm considering trying to buy tickets for that final because I've never been to Dublin. I've never seen Liverpool play like... Finals usually not exactly the uh, greatest game of the year, but I don't know. I think I think look, we've seen Klopp get them to four European finals and counting and counting that Europa League final that he got them to his first season when he came in in the middle of things. He takes cup competition seriously. He's not one to, you know, not 
he's you know he's rotated, but he's always put out a side that he thought at the end of the day usually could win. Outside of that one FA Cup when they had the Club World Cup game, like the exact next day in Saudi Arabia or whatever. But um, I, I think a Europa League final is a really strong significance. Um, I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on FA or League Cup. Like, not that they're not important, but if it comes down to a top four spot or a, a FA Cup or League Cup win, um, I want them back in the Champions League. And that's a little selfish of me because they are going to play that, uh, was it the 2025 Club World Cup is going to be back in this is going to be in the States and it's going to be 32 teams. And there's like eight at large bid for, for European teams with a high coefficient. And we have a very high coefficient and seeing Liverpool play a competitive game on us soil. Like I'm selling a kidney for that. Like, <laughs> like what, whatever you, I got to do. Be a, I don't know how much kidneys will be worth. Cause there'll be a lot of them on the black market when that happens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not the only one with that plan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Europa league, Europa League final and a top four. I think that's my number, my, my two. Anything after that is gravy on top. Yeah, I think top four is a must. It's going to be so challenging because Arsenal really are in a good place right now. City are, like you said, City. Newcastle will be interesting. Seeing who else they get in this window. Certain names have been thrown out that I don't know if are real or not, so I won't guess right now. We'll save that for a Newcastle episode, but... um you know, if they can do a little bit more work, I think they're going to become really, really tough to beat. And so you're looking at that fourth spot with, you know, United who were pretty much in there and, and, and you know, may, may or may not be doing the most this summer. And then Chelsea, who's going to spend another half a billion and have Pochettino coming in, who I actually do think is a pretty good manager, despite what went on with PSG. I think you can't really judge a manager based off their tenure at PSG anyways. Um, so it, it's going to be challenging, but, I, you know, with what they're spending and what they're trying to do, it seems in midfield, there's really no excuse for them to not get into the champions league. I would love to think that there'll be a, a pretty easy path to the Europa final, but there's always, there's always that one Spanish team that just ends up showing up and whether it's Sevilla or Atletico or, or whomever Valencia, like that's the one thing that gets me a little bit nervous is when do we get that roadblock in our way? Does that happen in the semifinals or does it happen earlier? And the travel in that tournament is brutal, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, right. Smack dab in the middle of, season well you can get lucky right if you get a good group and you're not traveling out to like eastern europe and um you know you're you're relatively contained between like somewhere in in scandinavia somewhere in spain and somewhere in you know germany or or you know uh, belgium or whatever then you're fine but if you start getting those like croatian and, and serbian teams then it's a little bit more challenging i will throw out one epl team that i'm a little worried about that could gate crash the top six, maybe even challenge for that fourth spot. And it's Aston Villa. Uh, they had a really strong, like once Unai Emery came in, I think if you started the table over there, there was a period of time where they were like second, second. The table yeah. to Manchester city. And they've made some like shrewd signings between Pau Torres. If they can get Yuri Tielemans back to, you know, half of the player he was before that last season at Leicester and then the other one they've been linked to is um Frimpong. Uh, yeah, the Fire Leverkusen Frimpong. They're right yeah. back. Like they they've been making some smart moves ever you know, ever since they sold Jack Relish. So, um, they could be one to to. I I think I I think I have I gave out odds last week that they were a good number at plus I think like plus one fifty to finish top six. Which yeah. I think it might actually might have been higher than that. It might have been. I'll give you my rebuttal to that. 
One is West Ham because that was yeah. West Ham two seasons ago, and then they were basically fighting for relegation this season. And two is they also have midweek games now where yep. they're going to have to be rotating a lot because they're in the conference league. So I don't know. I I, I totally get what you're saying because you're right. I mean, when they Ollie Watkins was a personal favorite of mine. I used to bet on him, and he's you know anytime goal scorer, anytime shot on target, two plus whatever, and he was cashing all day. But I, I think between the the midweek games and the fact that they have to do it again, it, it's it seems a little a little tough. So I, I could see them being comfortable mid table, but I feel like they're going to be dropping points this year. Yeah, no, the and they're going to take conference league seriously. I mean, Emery oh, yeah. has won like a bunch of those, oh, FA, yeah. those one of those uh, Europa leagues at Sevilla. So the man knows how to win a, a, a knockout cup competition. Yeah. All right, let's do a little buy or sell here. Both said top four is mandatory. We're we'll set a line here at seventy nine and a half points over under. Or are you buying Liverpool get over seventy nine and a half points in the Premier League to make that happen? I think they might have to do that, to be honest. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say bye, but I think 79 and a half is a really tough number to say over under on. But I'll buy. Yeah, I don't. I think the good news is I don't think they'll have to get 80 points to get top four. I think you can probably get to 75, and that'll be it. But um, I'm gonna buy it just because I think they're gonna play better against the bottom table clubs than they did this season and that's where they dropped a lot of points so if we were we were at 67 this season i think there's probably at least 10 points you could pick up pretty easily from some of those bottom table clubs this this coming season and that should get us pretty close well there's four points if most law hits two penalties last year too so that's also true yeah all right let's talk about him is it the end of most Salah, or does he keep chugging along buy or sell 20 league goals for that guy. I'll, I'll buy that. He missed it by one goal last season, 19 goals in like not uh, over 10 assists. He, he had the opportunity to become the first player since Thierry Henry to have 20 goals and 10 assists in three times in the Premier league. Um, I'm buying that. He looks even more shredded than last season. I, I only know that because the man posts a shirtless picture of him, more than Cristiano Ronaldo these days. Um, so, and I have so many of these screenshotted that I will be making memes of as we get closer to the, the, uh, the season with some kind of gambling aspect to it. So um, I think him, I think he's going to come back with a little bit of a revenge season of just, he had a very telling end of the year post of like, I'm sorry, we didn't get to the champions league. This is yeah. unacceptable. I, I think we've got, most a lot revenge season loading. So I I'm a heavy buyer there. I am going to sell it because of our least favorite international competition in the world. My least favorite is AFCON is this January. And after AFCON last time he came back and was a shell of himself. They had a pretty disappointing defeat Egypt. Um, so I'm concerned about that. I'm also concerned about the fact that Egypt have reached out to Liverpool to ask if he can play in the, I think U 21 Olympics this summer as well. Um, as one of the accepted, accepted or whatever uh, you got like three players, I think. Yeah, over, yeah. It's next. Age. It's next year. But yeah, they want. Is it next year? It, oh, I yeah, thought it was this. It's twenty four. Okay. It's twenty four. Okay. But yes, I forgot about Afcon. Yeah, Afcon is this January. AFCON. Good news is Kaita and Mane are gone. Not that Kaita would have played much for us, anyways. But Kaita's gone. He's Mane already is injured. Gone. I know. By the way, <laughs> yes, I've seen this. Um, but yeah, I, I am a little nervous about Mosala at. 
30 whatever one playing in an AFCON where Egypt are going to use them and abuse them and then send them right back to us. Do you want to revise your buy or sell, Andrew, knowing this information? No, no, no. I, okay. I, have too, I, have, I have too much faith in my boy. I love the energy. Um, all right. And I, I, I mean, I'm going to ask it anyway, but I know both of your answers. Are we buying or selling Europa League semifinals or better? Yes. Buy. Buy. Yeah, I'll buy it as long as there's not like a really rough draw where we get screwed in the round of 16. Because sometimes yeah, that just like, happens. Yeah, if we don't get like Bayer Leverkusen in the second round or something. like Yeah, or like Atletico drops out of Champions League and then we somehow draw them. That's the only fear. Yeah. All right, let's let's wrap it up with some odds. Um, looking at the EPL futures, the what we saw today, City heavy favorite minus one thirty five to win the league. Arsenal is next at plus five hundred. Pool are sitting at plus eight hundred. United, Chelsea at plus eleven hundred apiece. Newcastle plus fourteen hundred. There are some long shots. I won't get into them because I don't think Tottenham, Brighton, Villa, any of those guys are going to win the league. Um. A, do you think these odds are fair and accurate? B, got to make a pick today. Who would it be? Ooh. Um, I think City have earned it. They've won, what, three straight and five out of the last six. Um, if I had to make one today, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'd almost rather City win the league again than deal with Arsenal fans because Arsenal are are kind of they're they're what twenty almost twenty years since they won last won the league and like yeah. I know people were saying the same thing about Liverpool fans when it had been twenty years for us that like these people are going to be so obnoxious and and <laughs> such a pain to deal with and we were if they do win the league <laughs> and yes we were so I'm almost at the point where it's like I'd rather not deal with Arsenal fans and I can deal with the City fans but um. I think plus 300 is too low for Arsenal, to be honest. For, Sorry, for 500. plus 500. Oh, oh, plus five? Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, oh, no, that's my bad because I have I have on my sheet one thing that I did write down was uh, winner without City, Liverpool are plus 300. So it's basically them oh, to finish. Our favorite bet. That yeah. is an exception. We had bet. Newcastle last year and was so close. very close because they were what, yeah. plus. What do we have them at, Nick? Like plus 3,500? It was crazy. Oh, they were, they were up there. Yeah, definitely plus 3,000. Um. But yeah, I don't. I, I I don't think Arsenal are ready yet. But I I kind of compare this Arsenal team, and I hate the way that I'm about to say this to that um eighteen nineteen Liverpool team that won the Champions League, where they're just so young, and they're gonna do really well in the league, but it's not gonna be enough to surpass City. But they're gonna go on like a crazy European run. So, um. Yeah, I wouldn't bet Liverpool to win the league. Um, and at, with City at minus one thirty-five, I don't, I don't see enough. The, the odds are not there. You'd have to like, yeah. you're just to get into plus money. You're like having to parlay City and Holland to win Golden Boot, which like, it even that parlayed together probably isn't even getting you to plus three hundred. And like, that's not, it's not enough for me. Yeah. But no. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to make my own odds because if City minus or minus 135, Nick and I talked about this before you got on, Andrew. I think there's got to be a bet that just says City or the field and the field have to probably be around even money if City are at minus 135. And I think I would just take the field and just I would for too. City to not win and put whatever money down and know that I'm probably going to double up on it. Um, 
you know, I think the good news for Arsenal is they do have this young established core, which is probably going to be around with each other for at least another five, six, seven years. Um, I think the fan base is now behind Arteta, which is a good thing for, for managers, whether they want to admit it or not, it makes their job a lot easier. Um, so I think there's more to come from them this season than maybe even last season. Uh, midfield definitely is going to be a lot better with Declan Rice than it is with Granite Xhaka. So, you know, kudos to them on that signing. Um, but even Liverpool, like it, it, it's not impossible for them to make a run. We know what Klopp can do and he's done more with less. So by all means, they can put, if they stay healthy this season and, and they can put together, you know, their, their midfield and, and protect their defense a little bit more by all means, they can make a run. And lastly, like what isn't really discussed about city was just how mediocre they looked when Holland and De Bruyne both weren't playing at the same time. Um, I can't tell you how many times I took like first half overs or overs on city for one of those two to suddenly sit. Um, and then they just looked very mediocre. Now, obviously when they're both playing, they're virtually unstoppable and they're putting four or five goals, you know, a game, but you know, De Bruyne is getting up there in age. He's, he's around the same age as Henderson. I want to say maybe a little bit younger. Um, Holland was relatively injury-free last season. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to be a guarantee going to be tough to improve upon last year i just yeah i mean he's a big guy right like he's going to have injuries like you know not too dissimilar to like someone like zlatan right um so there will be some time whether it's this season or in season to come where he's going to miss half a season or more and i don't really know i mean how they'll they'll they have depth but like it's impossible to replace somebody like holland right so I, i think just taking the field in that sense there's definitely two very valid competitors between Liverpool and Arsenal in that sense. You never know what happens with Newcastle. Um, I don't think they're quite ready to challenge, but if they go out in the next month or two and they bring in um, talk about bringing Kamara in Dona, Dona. Yeah. and they, they bring in somebody else, then then maybe there's, there's Already a little bit signed more to Nali. The, Yeah. I have a, I have a city take real quick. If maybe. so, they already let Gundogan walk. Yep. The rumors are Bernardo Silva has been flirting with leaving for a year now. And now Saudi Arabia is sniffing around Riyad Mahrez. Uh, no, I think it's official. Uh, uh, whether it's I, official. Don't quote, wait, don't quote yeah, me on well, that. It's, I, I think it's really close. Yeah, It's very close. We all know how long it takes for City players to adjust to the Pep Guardiola style. They'll go out and they'll they'll sign replacements. And Are you maybe telling me you've got... forgotten about Calvin Phillips? <laughs> <laughs> right. Calvin Phillips is going to play in the same position that... Uh, Mateo Kovacic plays and not yeah. score goals. Like you can't really like maybe they kind of switch to like a three, two, three, two and kind of stick uh, Alvarez and, and Holland next to each other. You know, whatever Pep is doing, whatever he wants to figure out how they're going to score goals next year. But my point is just. They play such a specific style that it takes new players a while to adjust to if they haven't played it before. And to lose players this late in the window does give me some kind of hope that maybe if somebody can get out to a heavy enough of lead, something could happen. But yeah. listen, two and, things here are true. A, we're, we're all rooting for City to not win, right? I'm included yeah. in that. I'm, I'm over them. Um, and B, the the you said that the odds are horrific for a future bet. Um, I think that. The grouping of Arsenal, Liverpool, even United would be my next one. I think the value is there on any of those teams if you like them. I think, gun to my head, I would go Arsenal just because I think they have a little bit more of a belief of what they can accomplish. 
with that solid year under their belt last year. Um, and, and plus 500 is enough for me to get on board. Uh, I mean, that's probably where I'd go, but I don't think there's a terrible pick out of those three um, just to not lay the 135. Yeah. I mean, City haven't really addressed a lot of things. Like they never addressed Cancelo leaving, right? They've been playing like Ake a little bit back there. Their defense besides Diaz is pretty young. I think John Stones, they're going to probably move to midfield, it seems. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so that leaves them with, you know, Akanji and and I guess, you know, Laporte, maybe. Is Laporte still there? Or did he leave? He's uh, heavily rumored to leave, but hasn't left yet. But they're also, they're going after Vardiol. Vardiol, from right. Leipzig. So that's that's really what they'll need, right? They, they're they're going to need somebody like that. Because otherwise there's, you know, we talked about it last year. Their defense was definitely their, their Achilles heel at times. And that's why I love taking their overs as much as their fact that they had De Bruyne and Holland. So I want to double back on what you said about Holland's health record. Um, solid golden boot is plus 950. I'm not saying put a full unit on it, but if you think that Holland could get hurt long enough, yeah, but and I know there's the, the AFCON, AFCON factor. <laughs> yeah, there's the AFCON factor, but I think it. he's really... We have a strong buyer and a strong seller here. I love it. I think I look, I think he's only scheduled to miss like two EPL games. It's just what how long, how many games he plays for Egypt at that time at the time period. Like I I hate to say this, but every time he goes to play for I mean, Egypt, it's I'm impossible like, for him please. to play more minutes than he played in that last tournament because the Egypt went to, you know, full double extra times and at least three of the final four matches in, in that. Tournament. Yeah. And then they went to then they went to the uh, the penalty shootout and the, the Senegal fans all had the green lasers all over his eyes. Yeah, which was just a, just... Andrew, the only, the only thing I also have to say to back up Scott and it is position on Salah is I think there's a lot less ball to go around this year than there has been for Salah. I just, I mean, if he's still taking set pieces, PKs, all that, that's super valuable. But I, to me, you know, he, he almost strikes me as a guy that he doesn't really care. He'll, he'll be the assist guy if he needs to be, he just wants the ball in the back of the net. And um, I think some of these new guys are going to be a little bit hungrier. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, these are all points. I mean, they gave Luis Diaz the seven and they gave Darwin Nunez the nine. Like yeah. they're not, those are, those Jersey numbers come with important expectations at Liverpool. And they got midfielders that can score goals but with McAllister and Sobosly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, last thing I want to say before we wrap it up, because we did put those odds out there. Um, Andrew, you threw a couple out that we weren't even aware of that have been out there. Uh, you know, we love that to win the league, if not for city or, you know, to make top three or top four, or top six, whatever it is. So anything else you're looking at uh, that, that we're not aware of yet? I took it a year too late, um, but that year that Trent led the league in assists, um, I think that's not a, I think that, I think that's another revenge season loading. Um, another man who came back early from vacation, absolutely shredded. So uh, that one, I'm a, the only thing about that one is where is he playing for the season? Is he playing in midfield? Is he playing as a right back? Because the way he played at the right back, or the way he played as a midfielder towards the end of the season, I would put money on that uh, once the odds come out. Um, but yeah, other than that, you guys, we've covered everything. I, I think Europa League winner, anything over plus 300 is a take. Um, I'd love to get it at plus five, but uh, let's... <laughs> Let's let's see what they you know. I also need to look at the rest of the field, but um, uh, that's everything else I had written down. Love it. Well, dude, can't thank you enough for coming on. Please tell the listeners where they can find you, what you guys are up to. Um, I, I won't do it justice, but awesome work and awesome content that's being pumped out regularly. 
please let them know. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, threads, even. I'm still on there, apparently, at Andrew Passaro, P-A-S-S-A-R-O. Um, and then, yeah, I do a bi-weekly, mainly EPL sports betting or soccer betting podcast. It's uh, We try to keep it at 15 minutes or less. So we're just in and out and go home. Usually do about four picks each profile of game of the week. Usually whatever the top six matchup of the week is. Um, and yeah, Nick's been on, uh, hoping to get the rest of the guys on throughout the season. Um, so you can follow us at the plus money pod. There was another account with plus money taken. So we had to go with the, the Ohio state, um, angle. So, uh, love it. But yeah. Well, uh, we just did a, uh, transfer recap for the top six that we taped, um, about probably by, we taped it Friday of a couple weeks ago. So there's a couple things that aren't so fresh, but we did some early leans on futures in the EPL. Uh, we will have a couple futures podcasts for both European and EPL stuff coming out in the next couple weeks. And yeah, we'll we'll have episodes out either Thursday or Friday and usually uh, usually Tuesday morning for Champions League and midweek games. And uh, yeah, we're uh, quick with the memes on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. So there's no doubt about it. There's so much that I missed probably half of it. So definitely check these guys out, see what they're doing. It's it's unreal stuff. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. This was Dynamite, and be sure to do it again and again this year. So open invite, you know that. Love to hear it. Very excited to be on. All right, guys, see you next time.